Welcome to the Autism Mommies Potty Talk Podcast. I'm Michelle B. Rogers, Autism Mom and Life Coach. I help parents of children with autism who are pre-verbal to start communicating and potty train, guaranteed. Welcome to the Autism Moms Potty Talk Podcast, Episode 14. Hey everybody, Michelle here. I'm so excited to have you uh, continue to join me on this podcast. I first wanted to start uh, today's podcast by just sharing um, that how humbled I am by how many people have reached out to me since I've launched it. I think I launched it a couple of months ago and uh, we are moving ahead. Uh, we are full steam ahead and the... Um, the, the amount of downloads keeps increasing. The feedback I'm getting is tremendous. I see that the podcast is ranking in different countries. It blows my mind the reach uh, something like this can have. So I'm so honored and blessed uh, to have this um, ability to share my message to help as many families as I can with their kids on the autism spectrum. So thank you for that. Um, I thought I might uh, start before I get into the topic today, which is to um, help you all solve for problem behaviors. And I thought it would be a great idea just to start with a little update on our family. If you didn't know, uh, I am a mother. I'm an, I'm an autism mom. I have a daughter that was diagnosed on the spectrum um, one month after her second birthday. I also have a neurotypical son. Juliana is going on, she's 10 years old. She's going on 11. She'll be 11 in November and uh, she is thriving. She just started her second year in a general education class with minimal supports. Um, so she is now in fifth grade. She is thriving. She is chatty. She is fully potty trained, all of the things. Um, I think one of the things that really made all the difference, and this is why I always say this so much on, on the podcast and any messaging that I put out there, is that me believing in my ability to show up and be the best mother I could for her really set her on this path and she still blows my mind every day at this point I'd say with Juliana you wouldn't even know she's on the autism spectrum if I didn't tell you um, or you had a very trained eye you might not know otherwise she is thriving she has friends she's going to do this big sleepover event for her birthday with her two closest friends we're so excited um, just to see her thrive and see what her future holds it's just been uh, such a ride and you know, in the beginning, I probably would have traded for anything. But now I say, you know, um, everything that's happened to us has made me such a, a stronger human being, a really supportive, um, intentional mother, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, I'm at the point in my life where I believe that the challenges that we've had with Juliana were brought to us so that I could heal my girl and I could help as many of you um, heal your babies as well. So I'm so honored to have this platform to be able to speak to you and help you with your with your kids on the spectrum. So um, if anyone needs any support, you feel free to reach out to me. This is all I do every day. It's my mission now, uh, till the day I die, to help as many families uh, have the opportunity to have the future that Juliana's going to have. It's a, it's a real blessing for us, and, I'm, and it's 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 such an honor to be here. I can't say that enough. Okay, so without further ado, I want to dive into today's topic, which is the third uh, life skill that I believe every child needs to have a chance at a, at a life of independence. So I have this philosophy that um, every child with autism, no matter where they fall on the spectrum, if they have three life skills, 
they will be able to have an independent life. Their chances of an independent life increase greatly. And the first one is they are potty trained. The second one is they're able to communicate. And the third is they don't have any problem behaviors so they can sit and attend and learn in school. And uh, today we are going to talk about problem behaviors. We've already done an extensive amount of time on, po- on my podcast already about potty training. We did a two-part series on communication. So if you haven't um, checked out any of those, you can go back and listen to uh, previous episodes. But now we're going to dive deep into problem behaviors. And one of the things about problem behaviors that I'd like to just first put out there is that nine times out of 10, problem behaviors are connected with a child's inability to communicate functionally. And when I say communicate, I'm very intentional in using that word because first we have to communicate and then we can potentially have vocal language. And I'm always pushing for vocal language in my program, but I need functional communication skills first. And with Juliana in particular, when... Um, Right before she was diagnosed, I felt like a black cloud had settled over our house and she was this happy baby and then it was gone. And I remember even saying to my mother, you know, where did this happy baby go? And when we taught her sign language, her first sign that she learned was cookie. And when she learned that sign, um, I was so floored because I didn't even think she could learn because I didn't think she could comprehend. And she was with me the whole entire time. She just, just, I, we all have this belief as parents when we have a preverbal child that just because the mouth doesn't work that we think the ears are broken and that's not the case anything the ears are more on 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 alert than they are uh um because they're they're not uh, verbal yet but she learned that sign by the end of day one she had 10 signs by the end of the week and i always say to people like as soon as she had those 10 signs which really represented anything that she would really request throughout uh any given day the black cloud lifted and the tantrums almost stopped at the same time so the first thing i'm gonna start off by saying is before we dive into the the how to solve for problem behaviors, we want to understand that communication is a big part of why they may exist. And if you don't have communication in place, go back and listen to those podcasts and um, you'll get whatever you need to get that up and running. Okay, so now this, uh, the rest of this training is going to be based on a guide I've created. It's actually a free guide. And if you want a copy of this guide, all you have to do is email me. You're going to email Michelle at MichelleBRogers.com. Just let me know you heard this on the podcast and you'd love a copy of this um, survival guide. I call it the Autism Mom Survival Guide to Problem Behaviors. It is free. So just send me an email. I'll be happy to send this to you. So this um, whole um, guide is really what this podcast is going to be all about. And what I want to really start with is just kind of explaining um, how like I dissect problem behaviors so I can figure out like what we do, what we normally do as autism parents is that when we have a problem, like if our child, like let's say our child's on the playground and out of nowhere slaps a kid. And when the child slaps a kid, we're just freaked out. We're immediately sent into fight or flight and we just, you know, rush the kid home. We're apologizing to the parents and then we just like, I'm never going to that playground again, right? And we go home and we're crying the whole way home and we're thinking about it. We're just wishing they wouldn't be like this and we're just going through these emotions, just feeling like shit the entire time. And we never go back and we look at like why it happened in the first place. And because we don't do that, 
What ends up happening is we just feel bad for ourselves. We feel bad for the situation. We feel hopeless. We don't know what to do. This is autism, right? We have those shitty thoughts about the autism diagnosis. And that because it's autism, maybe it can't be solved or it'd be very difficult to solve. And then what ends up happening is we never really look at why it happened to avoid it from happening again. And then um, another incident will happen and you'll go right through the same emotions again. You'll be putting out the fire in the moment of trying to neutralize the uh, the incident and then you're going to go home and feel like shit again and then there goes like what I call uh, the crazy eight and I go deep into this in the in the guide um, but the only way to have a different life is you've got to start making different decisions in those moments and not necessarily in the moment but like in the beginning what we need to do is be able to look at it you know when you're dealing with the problem behavior so if your child slapped a kid on the playground you're in the middle of trying to put that fire out from the field when we go home and we kind of rest our our nervous system, we get out of that fight or flight response. Instead of instead of rolling into a negative uh, thought pattern about what happened, what we need to do is want to look at like why is this happening in the first place? And if I can create like if I can understand why it happened, maybe either I can avoid it or I can actually put you know a system in place so that it doesn't happen, so that the child never engages in that type of behavior again. But the only way that that can happen is we kind of got to get out of our own way. We got to get out of that crazy eight loop of feeling like shit, going into fight or flight, then feeling like shit. Then it happens again. We go into fight or flight, feel like shit. See how it is? It just keeps going in that loop. So the first step above all things is to start to really try and understand that if I keep thinking the same things, it's almost like the definition of insanity. If I keep doing the same things over and over and I expect a different outcome, that's never going to happen. If I want a different outcome, I've got to handle every one of those situations differently from this point forward. So I go deep into this, into the guide. If, like I said, if you want it, you're just going to drop me an email. Okay? All right. So now what I want to do is I want to talk about an acronym that is uh, widely used in ABA. And if you didn't know, I'm an absolute ABA lover. I'm going to do a uh, podcast on um, like an intro to ABA just to kind of give you an idea of what it's like. I know there's a, it, it's got a bad rap out there in the world. And um, just and I, I just want to I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but just like anything else in the world, right? We have doctors out there that all practice a medicine, right? They all practice a therapy, and some of them suck. And ABA is no different. You know, we don't throw out a effective therapy, a therapy that's helped so many children, including my own, just because of a, a couple of bad practitioners. So I don't. I want to. I want to honor and respect anyone who has had a bad experience with ABA. I'm not discounting that. I'm not saying it didn't happen. But what if it could have been done in a way that was supportive and loving and pairing? And that's the only type of ABA that I've ever experienced. The only type of ABA we teach in my master class. So I want to just kind of just put that out there real quick. We're gonna do a whole podcast on this because I know that ABA just gets such a bad rap and I understand why but like again it's we go from there they're just like there are bad practitioners out there there's gonna uh, for, for doctors or lawyers or teachers or whatever there's gonna be there, there there's also gonna be good practitioners of it and maybe the therapy is good and, and the way it was being applied was so bad okay all right so in ABA there's an acronym that they all stand by when we're trying to solve for problem behaviors and it's it's called meats like m-e-a-t-s like like beef but meats right and this acronym is for the reasons unwanted behavior occur in our children with autism and I would even venture to say how when it occurs for anybody and the first um, 
letter in the acronym is M. So if a child's engaging in problem behaviors, it could be for M, which stands for medical. That means that they might be in physical pain or discomfort. So if, if, if a child is engaging in like tantruming on the floor or hitting, maybe they're in pain and that could be the reason that it's happening. The second letter in the acronym is E and that's for escape or avoidance. They want to get out of doing an unwanted activity. Okay. The third act, a letter in the acronym is A, and that's for attention seeking. They're doing the behavior because they're gaining attention, whether it's good or bad. And then we have tangible T, that's the um, wanting access to a physical activity, an object, or even a person. They could be wanting access to someone and they could be behaving in a, a problem behavior way to get access to somebody. And S stands for sensory seeking, when they're doing it because it feels good, like it's an automatic reinforcement. So the first thing we need to understand is that when a child engages in problem behaviors, it is going to fall into one of those five categories. There's not one problem behavior that won't fall into the five. And I've really tested this theory out with any problem behavior a parent brings to me. And what we have to do is we have to kind of um, understand um, the problem behavior inside and out first to be able to figure out which of the letters in the acronym it represents. So how we do that is we in ABA, they do something called ABC. And by the way, I'm not formally trained in ABA. I'm a mother who's just seen this in my life since my daughter was two. We actually do have BCBAs in my uh, master class, so I can learn a lot from them too. But I honestly, a lot of my experience is just... <laughs> in the street. I'm working in the street here with these kids, my kid, your kids, and everybody's kids. And I just know that way I have to reverse engineer how I handle problems. And it really kind of is just in alignment with what I've been exposed to as a mother who has learned this informally from seeing it be being done in her home for years and years and years. Okay. So uh, when we are analyzing a problem behavior, we can't make a blanket statement. So let's say a uh, little Susie bites every, you know, that's her big problem behavior. Anywhere she goes, she bites. She In the morning, she bites. At night, she bites. When we're at the playground, she bites, right? So that biting is her problem behavior. We can't have a blanket. We can't say, okay, we need to solve for biting. What we need to solve for is the reason why she's biting in the first place. So even if biting is her go-to for a lot of different functions, right? It could be for any one of the, um, you know, it could be for any one of the examples that we just gave of the five, we have to create a solve based upon ex the exact reason each time she has it. So if, if little Susie bites because she doesn't want to eat her carrots, that's going to be different than if little Susie's biting because she wants to go out and ride her bike. And we have to understand the function of why she's doing this biting behavior before we can create the solve because each one of those letters in the acronym are going to have a different skill set in how you would solve it. Okay. So the way that we do that is we get the ABC data of a problem behavior incident. So let's say little Susie was at the table and we asked her to eat her carrots and she bit my hand when I, when I put the bowl down. Right. So what we need to understand is the ABCs of what happened. So the A is the, represents the antecedent, another acronym, I guess. So A is antecedent. What happened before the problem behavior? What was little Susie doing? Oh, little Susie was sitting happily at the table waiting for her food, right? Then B is the, B, represents the behavior. What does it look like when little Susie engages in the problem behavior? Oh, okay, she, she, she bit my hand when I put down, I said, you have to eat your carrots and she bit my hand, okay? And then C, what's the consequence that's what happens after the problem behavior, 
And then once we understand the ABCs of any type of problem behavior, that's when we can create the solve. But let me preface this again by saying if you were trying to do the ABCs right after Susie bit you and you're bleeding and you're pissed and you're all through the emotions, that's not when we do this. We have to calm down and take a minute, take a step back and get that drone view going so that we can create, figure out why she did this so we can create the solve. And just because she fights for everything doesn't mean it's going to be the same acronym every time. Okay? So in this particular example, I'm just, I'm, doing something off off the top of my head, right? So right before I fed Susie the carrots, she was happily sitting eating her nuggets, right? She likes nuggets. And then I say, okay, Susie, I hand her the carrots. I say, Susie, you got to eat your carrots now. And she takes my hand and she bites it, right? And I'm freaking out, right? So the actual, the antecedent was she was sitting eating her lunch happily. I say to her and hand her a bowl of carrots and say, you got to eat your carrots now. You can't go play or some shit like that, right? And then she goes and she bites my hand. And that's the actual behavior. So she takes my hand and she bites it because she doesn't want to eat it, right? That's what I'm going to assume, right? So then I freak out. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, uh, why did you do that? Blah, 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 blah. I start yelling at her. And then maybe what ends up happening after I yell at her is I put her in a timeout and she uh, never has to eat the carrots. So what we've taught her in that example, first we've got to figure out which act, which of the five letters that represents. So obviously I would say in this example, she wanted to get out of an unwanted activity. She didn't want to eat her carrots. And in the guide, I, I explain this to really break it down, like how you know that's what it is, right? So it typically occurs in response to being presented with a non-preferred demand condition stimulus or environment. So the non-preferred here is that she doesn't want to eat her vegetables, right? And it's in response to a demand or to trying something new. It could be like, I've never presented carrots and she doesn't like trying things new and this is how it happens. It could also be a response to a cleanup of a preferred activity. So that's really interesting. It could be a response to work that is difficult, boring, overwhelming, frustrating. Again, right, where these are escape motivated behaviors. Or it could be a response to a directive to transition. Typically, it happens during the same activities um, or a time of day. So here's what happened in the example. I hand Susie, Susie's eating lunch happily. I tell her she's got to eat her cat. She bites me. I get pissed. I say, all right, now you get up and do a timeout. And then when Susie's done with the timeout, she goes off about her day. What I've done now in that example is I've reinforced the behavior, meaning that if I bite her, I don't have to eat these carrots. So when I happen, she says the next time she presents carrots or broccoli or whatever, I'm just going to do the same thing and I don't ever have to eat the carrots. And that's the obviously the not way we want to handle it. So the first thing we want to do with any problem behaviors is we want to potentially, we always want to look for, I always called it the autism mom's bomb squad method, right? Where I want to try and avoid a problem from happening to begin with. Okay, so even before this whole happens, the next time I have to present Susie carrots, is there a way I could present it to avoid getting bit in the first place? All right, that's always going to be your first question to ask yourself. Is there something I could do here to avoid getting bit in the first place? Once I have that answer, then I say, okay, she needs to, she's learned that if she bites, she doesn't, she gets out of eating these carrots. I need her to eat the carrots. How do I go about it in the future? So in the future, what we need to look at is like, A, is there a way I could present the carrots where she'd want to at least try them? 
And then two is, if I can do it in this way, can I avoid being bit to begin with? All right? And I go in, in depth in this, in the... Um, in the guide, but this is just to give you a quick example. Not only was I able to decipher where I was going wrong, right, by giving her a timeout, and then she goes in the timeout, and I never make her finish the carrots, she learns that this behavior works well. And I love behavior because behavior to me is the rawest, purest form of communication for any species. And behavior is so important for our children on the spectrum, especially if their communication is just emerging, because there's no room for interpretation. So if I say, Susie, you're eating these carrots, and I see it through until those carrots are eaten, what I say is what I mean 100% of the time. There's no room for interpretation for the child. And that's what our children on the spectrum need. Actually, what all children need is they need to know that you are a constant in their life, that what you say is exactly what you mean 100% of the time. When we start giving idle threats, that's when shit falls apart, because then they're saying, okay, I always imagine I saw my mom's this in, in my program I say imagine you're like this electric fence and they're your baby calves right you're literally testing each section of the fence for weaknesses and every time you idle threat and you don't see it through then they're just going to assume that you don't mean it and that's what that language that's what that behavior means to them so if we want to solve for problem behaviors in this example of having them do a non-preferred we can come up with ways that will make them happily comply but I can never, ever remove the requirement of doing the behavior. Otherwise, she thinks that she's won. Simple as that. It's so easy. I'm going to give you another example. So another good example of this is my daughter, when we were potty training her, she was uh, pee trained first and we had a problem with poop. And for five weeks in a row, I'd take her to safety swim, which is where she would go and have her swim lessons. And every week she'd, she'd poop in the pool. And every time she'd poop in the pool, everyone else who was getting her lessons had to get out. They had The, the school had to call anyone who was coming down for the next hour's lesson and tell them that they can't come because the pool's got to be closed for three hours while they clean it. So the first couple of times, I didn't think anything of it because lots of kids do it. But then I started to realize this was being done intentionally, right? And so I did the ABCs of the behavior. First, let me just tell you, this was very traumatic for me. It's probably one of the most traumatic things I went through um, when we were trying to figure out why she kept pooping in the pool. Because I know everybody by week three knew it was her. And by week five, I was determined to quit safety swim. That was to be the absolutely worst thing I could have done for this behavior. Because now I'm telling her if we quit or I'm telling her if we don't solve for this, you can just shit in any pool you want. Right. So that day, I remember the fifth time I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe she did this again. I can't believe it. And I pull her out and we lock ourselves in the bathroom and I cried and I waited for everybody to leave because I was so embarrassed. I was humiliated. I couldn't believe she kept doing this. These poor parents. And of course, it was the middle of winter. So everybody's packing their kids up in these snow outfits after they get them out of the bathing suits. It's just a disaster. And I made sure I listened at the door crying to make sure that nobody was there except for the staff getting ready to clean the shit out of the pool. And I came out and I was hysterical and I said, listen, I promise we won't come back until I solve for this. And I went home and I went through my fight or flight with this, just like I'm telling you guys, this is exactly what happens for me. And, and then I calmed down and I told my husband, we're quitting. We're just never going to do swim anymore. I just, I can't, I can't go through this again, blah, 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 blah. And then once I calmed down, I thought about it and I said, she's doing this for a reason. Why is she doing this? And I, and at that time, I didn't have meats like I have it, like I'm explaining it to you now. I didn't have that guide back then. But I knew there was a reason she was doing it. And I actually surmised that she was doing it 
I originally thought like it was sensory, like she liked the way it felt in the pool, but I think she felt like this was a great place to do it, right? Because she didn't have to do it in the toilet, which was not her preferred. So I would almost even say that this was getting out of the unwanted activity of going in the toilet. If I go in the pool, she never puts me on the toilet because I already went poop. I don't have to go sit on the toilet now to try and poop. Do you see what I'm saying? So the next week I went back and I got my bathing suit on and I said, I'm going to stand on the side here and I'm going to look for her cues because this, you know, the swim instructor only sees her 30 minutes every week. I'm with her 24 seven. So I'm going to look for the cues where I think she's about to poop. And that's exactly what I did. I literally went right to the edge of the pool. And as soon as I saw that she looked like she was about to take a poop, I jumped in. I grabbed her. I ran into the bathroom. And I sat her on the toilet. Didn't poop the first time, right? So I'm like, listen, don't poop in the pool. <laughs> I'm watching you every time. you. And she loves swim. So this really sucked for her. She did not want to get out, right? So I said, don't poop in the pool. You poop in the pool. I'm going to take you out. And we're going to go on the toilet again, right? So then I put her... Got her dress. We go back out again. She goes in the pool. I think I see the face again. I take her. I grab her. I had to be willing to be in this exposed environment to solve for this behavior. Ran her and I got her. She pooped in the pool and she never did that again. And had I quit, had I went about it in a way that wouldn't have been supportive, we wouldn't be where we are today. Alexa, stop. See, I have Alexa. She reminds me of getting on my next call. But I, I just wanted to really hit this home for you guys that if we want to solve for our children's problem behaviors, we can't go run and hide under a couch cushion. We can't go and just, I'll never go to swim again. I'll never go to the Target where they threw the tantrum. I'll never go to the playground where our kid bit that other kid, right? I have to be willing to become the detective to create the solve for these behaviors. Had I done that that day and we quit swim, who knows how much longer it would have taken to get her poop trained. Who, who knows where she would be today as a swimmer. And she's on an amazing swim team. She's doing wonderful now. Had I quit, I don't even know if that would have happened. So I hope today's uh, podcast was helpful. If you want a copy of this guide, just send me an email, michelle at michellebrogers.com. That's Michelle with two L's, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E at Michelle, B as in boy, Rogers, R-O-G-E-R-S dot com. I'll be happy to send you this guide. I hope this uh, podcast episode was hopeful, help, hopeful, ho hopeful and helpful. And I'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. If you're ready to help your baby now with potty training, communication, or stopping their problem behaviors, I want to invite you to watch my free 10-minute video training that shows you how I took my daughter with autism from pre-verbal to sign language, potty training with a sign, to making sounds and then speaking. Head over to michellebrogers.com forward slash training. That's Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E. B as in boy, Rogers, R-O-G-E-R-S dot com forward slash training. See you there.